Sun's Day presented by Michelob Ultra. Bigley and Marotta Mornings. Arizona Sports, the local sports leader. Oh, no, I think our chemistry chemistry can be, you don't necessarily have to be on the court to build chemistry all the time. I think just the fellowship in the locker room, the camaraderie on the team playing on the bus, all that stuff matters. It factors into having a good um, culture around your team. I think it's a family atmosphere. So when you step in here, you know, chemistry is not really a problem. You know, when you communicate and everything, when, you know, Guys don't. Guys police themselves, hold themselves accountable. I think all that stuff makes up for, I guess, the lack of time spent together. It's Kevin Durant on the chemistry subject for the Phoenix Suns. We do have a developing situation here going into the bottom of the fifth. Jordan Ham's perfect game has been broken up. Oh no! With a shot uh, off the wall oh, to right Oh field. no! <laughs> yeah, this is a missed dog. What song is that? This is an Ashley Simpson song. Yeah. Wow. Sister of Jessica Simpson. Yes. Jordan likes singing this song, and I laugh when he sings the song because he sings it in a very funny fashion. Maybe it's a moment. He played it because of the, the moment it created between you. Perhaps. But yeah. It's a bad song. Wow. <laughs> we, shouldn't, we shouldn't have mentioned it. You're right. The perfect game is... Yeah, you know, it's over. Yeah, we talked about it. Well... Yeah. Well, maybe, maybe we'll just a, play Fireball by Pipling. Is it a favorite song of an old girlfriend? I mean, because that would Whoa. be really... Wow. Wow, Jordan, let's get to the bottom of this, shall we? Does Sarah Cazelle go to the bullpen now? <laughs> what if we task Patty Cazelle with your song, your your playlist? Yeah, would, she, oh, would she do okay? Um, I think she would just put some Beatles songs down, which would be a yes. <laughs> yeah. But I don't know if she could name a single artist from like this century that I like. Probably not. I got, I got you. Patty, text me. I know you're listening. <laughs> What's Patty's favorite Beatles song? Ooh, you know what? I should know. Text me that too, Mom. Penny Lane. <laughs> Patty I know Lane. she likes that song. Patty Lane. <laughs> Eleanor Rigby. Yep, I know she likes that Let one. Let it be. Hey Jude. Is there one that she doesn't like? I don't know. <laughs> yes. <laughs> I mean, they have a pretty impressive catalog. I don't want to spoil the party. Okay. <laughs> uh, Kevin Durant played 40 minutes and 38 seconds last night. I don't think he expected to. He said he was happy to do it. He needed, the Suns needed every uh, minute that they got from me. He had seven three, or, uh, excuse me, six three pointers in the game. Chris Paul. Seven three-pointers in the game. Career high. Uh, these, it was a weird stat line for Chris Paul. 25 points, seven three-pointers, two assists. Welcome to Chris Paul 2.0. Hey, pass the ball, Chris. <laughs> Come on. <laughs> Here was uh, Chris Paul on setting a career high in three-pointers last night. Should have made more. <laughs> you know what I mean? Um, just trying to take them shots, you know, and that's why these games are important. It's a new way. Uh, like I said, I ain't never really played with guys that's getting doubled like this. So um, I think it's not just wait to the playoffs and, you know, find that rhythm. You know, you need to use these games to, to do that. Yeah, should have made more. I don't, I don't know about that. I mean, you're going to knock down seven threes. It's hard to, to well, find you, any critique in that. You had 12 attempts. Mm-hmm. I think probably what he's saying is all 12 were wide open, <laughs> and I missed five wide open threes. And that's probably what I he guess means that's by one way to look at it. Right. That's probably how he's looking at it. To the assertion, too, and, and Sarah played the soundbite from Jason Fitz from ESPN Radio during the Rush Hour reboot about how everything looks so easy for the Suns, and I disagreed with it. And I think there's a player right now that, that's kind of going through the late season, you know, rough patch. And that's, that's Devin Booker, who last night. Sands headband, by the way. 
Uh, three for 12, one of his worst shooting nights of the year. One for five from three-point range. To his credit, he got to the line eight times and knocked them all down. Over his last six games, Devin Booker shooting 42%. Only 23% from three-point range, and the scoring average down to 24 per game. Um, you know, are people worried about that? I'm not. Uh, no. I know the head coach, Monty Williams, is not because he talked about it last night. Nah. I, I, I think there, there's guys that in this league that you, you would be concerned, not book. He puts a lot of work into his game, and, you know, if he has games like this, I just don't concern myself with it. I know, he, and the thing about Book is he can find other ways to be effective. You know, he's not just a guy that has to jack up threes or jump shots. He can get to the basket. He can facilitate, and that's how you become effective when your shot's not going. Yeah, last night, eight assists for Booker. My personal opinion, the lack of competition from the Nuggets in terms of personnel last night caused Devin Booker to be somewhat disengaged. Like, I, I don't I think, think it's fair. I don't think Devin Booker brought his A game. I'm not saying he didn't play hard. I don't I'm not saying he didn't try. I'm just saying he didn't bring his A game. And I think that starts between the ears. I don't think Devin Booker was fully engaged in that game last night. But Finney, I'm I'm looking at his last 10, 12 games. I mean, he had 15 last night. Didn't shoot the ball well at all. He was 3 for 12 from the field. Started 1 for 8. But going back, I mean, 27, 22, 27, 29, 24, 29, 32, 33, 46. So, I mean, he's... Mm-hmm. He's, he's he's being bookery. Yeah, he's but, being plucky. But that <laughs> the word won't go away. That's where he's at in his career. Like a bad stretch of six games for Devin Booker. He's still averaging twenty four points per game. Uh, in terms of how much the starters played, how much they had to play, and whether or not they should have played, there's a lot of different arguments you can make. And one of the arguments against starters playing uh, that you could throw out there is, well. Did you show too much against Denver, a team that you could face in the playoffs? Your remaining two games against the Lakers and Clippers, two potential first-round matchups. How do you guard against protecting what you do? Well, Kevin Durant himself uh, completely shot down that theory. We didn't play 80-some games. We didn't didn't logged in there, 1,000 minutes of film. Like, if you're a playoff coach and... You don't know how we coming as a team. You don't know. You're not prepared for how we coming as a team. Then I don't think you should have that job. You know, <laughs> we got so so much info and data on who we are as individuals and who we are as a team. So there's no hiding anything at this point. There's no. You may draw up a couple new plays that may throw them off. You know, before the playoffs. But even after game one, you gonna still you gonna get figured out. You know, so. Uh, it really comes down to who wants it the most uh, and just flat out who's a better team. So uh, there's not too much scheming and strategy involved around this time, I guess. Yes, but go- Katie is right. Going into the playoffs, but he mentioned it. After game one, you're figured no. out, and it's all about adjusting and performance at that point. No, that's a non-story. Yeah. The, the don't show them anything. Yeah. Why? No, that's a non-story. False narrative. Yeah. No, the, the only reason to not play is to not get hurt, is to avoid injuries. That's what, And it's not, even, you know, it's not even about real getting some extra rest. It's literally to not get hurt. Mm-hmm. You are playing meaningless basketball these next two games. I mean, that's why Jokic and Murray and those guys weren't out there. They're nursing nagging injuries, too. So you yeah, don't want But to, you again, it's one of those situations. If it's the playoffs, they're out there. Of course. But they're getting right. Why exacerbate an injury for you know something that's not going to help you? Help your 
State going could, into the playoffs. Could you imagine in a meaningless game tonight in L.A. or Sunday Don't against put the it Clippers? out there, Tim. Don't put it out there. The organization <laughs> wouldn't live it down. I know. You're right. You wouldn't live it down. You're right. You can text your thoughts to the FanDuel text line at 620-620 right now. Coming up next, Steve Kime may be done with the Arizona Cardinals, but he spent some time talking about his time in Arizona recently. We'll tell you what the former GM had to say next. It's Bickley and Murata Mornings with Tim Ring in for Bick here on Arizona Sports, the local sports leader. Murata Mornings, Arizona Sports, the local sports leader. I will tell you this, though. I've worked with a number of head coaches. Yeah. There's nobody that worked harder than him. Yeah, that's my Like, I'm telling you right now, there were mornings I got in there at 4.30. I never beat him to the office. Yeah. He needs to sleep. I'm like, does this dude sleep? <laughs> Steve Kime, former general manager of the Arizona Cardinals on the Greenlight Podcast with Chris Long, talking about... Cliff Kingsbury, now former head coach of the Arizona Cardinals, and uh, work and putting the hours in was not the issue with Cliff Kingsbury's tenure, apparently, which Cliff, has been repeated Cliff, time and time again. Cliff went straight from the club right to work. <laughs> no, I'm, ki- I'm kidding. We all saw Hard Knocks. We know Cliff got there early. I, you know, I, I obviously do the, the podcast with Mike Jarecki every day, and Mike was in that building. Yeah, pub that podcast real quick. Arizona Football Daily. That's enough. That's enough. No. Avail- All right. Please. Available. Ring. Available. Promotion. Available where you get your podcasts. Um, but Mike said this even before Hard Knocks debuted mm-hmm. last year, and we saw Cliff going to work when it was pitch black out at 3.30 in the morning. Cliff is there every single day working out, 4 a.m. So Cliff wasn't doing that just for the Hard Knocks cameras. What Steve was saying there, totally legit. Nobody worked harder than Cliff Kingsbury. Oh, I mean, you get there what? early, you get the gym to yourself. Those abs are not going to shred themselves, Tim. Amen. That's what, I, that's the, what I've always The beaches by. in Europe are calling come June. <laughs> you, you, you better gotta, come correct you, in you better come. You better Please. come correct. <laughs> I haven't heard this particular soundbite, but I've been warned about it from somebody. This is more on... Cliff Kingsbury okay. from Steve Kime. Here we go. And the now infamous Cliff Kingsbury estate. Have you been to it's his house? Is it? And it's is your house nicer? No, no. <laughs> <laughs> My ex-wife's house might be as nice. <laughs> <laughs> That's good. And then, of course, you know, you can only imagine probably what, you know, I, I don't, I've only been there a couple times. And yeah. uh, I do love the guy, man. He's, a, he's an amazing person. Um, great, great human being. Yeah. Um, I can only imagine the stuff he's got walking around there on, on a daily basis. Whoa! But, Is that an infestation problem? The, Are we talking? Talking about exotic pets. What are we talking about here? We call him the what, stuff. Stuff. What? What's stuff, Steve? Kind. <laughs> I know. I listened to that a few times Thanks. and try. Was trying to give him the benefit of the doubt of what he could have meant. Termites. Uh, yeah. Maybe. <laughs> you know. I mean, there are two kinds of houses in of the furn- valley. There wasn't a lot of furniture though for termites. To Workers. Yeah, that's true. Yeah, maybe but they still right. wouldn't be stuff. They'd be people. <laughs> They'd be humans. Anyhow, <laughs> women or people do. I'm not touching that one at all. I can't believe he would say such a thing on Sarah Cazelde. On Sarah Cazelde? Is he not aware of Sarah Palooza? By the way, what was that? What was that last song? That was Rocket Queen by Guns N' Roses. Oh. We're back, baby. Okay, we're back. Okay, five for six. Yeah. 
Nobody ever. I has, love that song. I want you to start thinking too. Brainstorm, since it is Sarah Palooza, you will have control of the song of the day today. Ooh. So maybe something that didn't get touched on by, okay. by hubby. Thank you. <laughs> um, Steve right, so Kaim also talking about this this upcoming draft class a little bit, and then doing a little bit of revisionist history as well. I I, I saw another uh, mock draft today, and they're all blending together. But there was a mock draft where the Cardinals moved down to number seven in a trade with Detroit, who moved up to number three. Okay. In that instance, the Cardinals would not be getting Will Anderson. Number one on their wish list, assumed. In this particular mock, they took Jalen Carter, the defensive tackle out of Georgia, who's been in the news for not a lot of good reasons since the uh, national championship ended. And we know about that plight, but on the front of Jalen Carter for any team that might be in the Jalen Carter business uh, when it comes to the draft. Steve Kime had to say this. I, I would just say this. You know, as far as his character goes, you know, you just got to make sure he loves the game. And if you can make sure he loves it and he's that kind of talent, I would take an opportunity to take that pick. Now, you know, in Arizona, I drafted Robert Kandichi with a 26 pick overall, yeah. who oh, we man. thought, uh. yeah, we thought was a top 10 talent. Uh, and there were some concerns and questions about him coming out. And at the end of the day, really the guy just in my opinion didn't love football enough you know i didn't he he didn't succeed or play at a high level because uh he was in love with the the you know the the process of going through the draft being a top pick getting money but when it was time to grind um that wasn't his focus and i don't think steve kaim is wrong in his assessment looking back at robert kim and we all said it at the time to get a talent like that at number 26 he might have been a top 10 talent but there was also reason to question, just from a production standpoint, Robert Kimdichie was the number one high school football recruit yes, he was. coming out in the nation, ended up at Ole Miss. And then he got to Ole Miss, and it was like he was living on you know, being touted as the number one overall recruit. Okay college career, had some weird, weird instances and... Hotel falling rooms, out of a hotel uh, yes, room know, and, all, yep. and all that stuff. So they get him at 26... The Cardinals were in a luxury position in that particular draft as a team that was coming off an NFC Championship game appearance. You can you can roll the dice a little bit. But there was all kinds of proof that Robert Kimdichie wasn't going to be a great pro, I think, at that point, if you look back. It's interesting to hear Steve say that you better make sure he loves football. Because I guarantee, you know, when you go back and you probably listen to those press conferences... After they drafted Kim Dietschy, or even if you talk to Steve Kime personally, the Cardinals were probably pretty confident they did their due diligence uh-huh. and were confident that Robert Kim Dietschy was not a character risk and did love football and was prepared to play worthy of a top 10 pick. And that's why they ultimately pulled the trigger on drafting him when they did. And they felt like they got a steal and they got one hell of a value pick that late in the draft. Uh-huh. So they were fooled. They got it wrong. So it's interesting now, you know, when Steve says they should make sure that Jalen Carter loves full, it's hard to do. It's it's hard to make sure they they, they didn't do it. They got it wrong with Kim Dietschy. True, and and what prospect in that process is going to, you know, you're sitting down. They're going to tell you what they want to hear. Hey, so-and-so player, how much do you love football? Tell me how much you love football. I love football, man. It's all I have. It's all I got. Yeah, you're going to lie. There's millions of dollars at stake. I would lie, too. 
so it's fake so, it until you make it, right? right? So it's funny. You know, now Steve's in the, in the in the media chair saying, "Hey, better make sure that they." Well, okay, well, how do you do that? Because you didn't do it. Yeah. With Kim Dietschy, and it was talked about ad nauseum every year. And you a lot of fine pe- guys that love football. And a lot of people can criticize the Kim Dietschy pick. Like, what are you taking that guy for? He's got character issues. You're going to regret that. No, 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 no. We did our homework. You know, we we this we, this, this guy checked out. Look, Robert we had, we had to meet with all of our people, yada, yada, yada. Say what you will about Robert Kimdichi. He gave us a great moment here on the Bickley Murata show when he played Vinnie Joe Trivia. You ever hear this story? No, what happened? Robert Kimdichi was a musician. Are you familiar with Vinnie Joe Trivia, the old segment? Of course, yes. Okay. So we used to have a lot of different athletes. I played it myself, coaches. yeah. yeah. Um, Robert Kimdichi agreed to play once. And as always, we would let the contestant pick their, their topic. So I was always at that disadvantage. Comes back. Through the channels, Robert Kimdichi wants to play jazz trivia, jazz and history, I, jazz trivia. history, and I'm like, I, I knew he was a jazz saxophonist. I'm gonna get you know, raked over the coals here. Okay, I took a jazz in America course at ASU. 97 years ago, and I don't think I retained much of that information because it was a blow-off class. I don't think did Robert Kimdichi get any. He did. He got one. He got one. Ten. One out of ten. <gasps> And I actually beat him in jazz. I believe you guys. That was his topic? Seven out of ten. It was the lowest score in the history of Vinnie Joe Trivia. That's jazz history right there. I don't know if Robert Kimdichi really loves jazz. Not, yeah, I was going to say, not only, not only did Robert Kimdichi not love football, he didn't even love jazz. Charles Minyas. He didn't know it was John Hancock for him was Herbie Hancock. <laughs> Coming up next on uh, Bickley and Murata Mornings, we will be joined by K.O. himself. Kellen Olson will talk some Suns and NBA straight ahead here on Arizona Sports, the local sports leader. Arizona Sports, the local sports leader. Bickley and Murata Mornings. Suns run to the playoffs coverage. Brought to you by Canvas Annuity. Score up to 6.25% on your retirement savings. I know we're at 6 for 7 now. I know Sarah loves this song. I know this is because everybody loves this song. As well they should. Am I right? Am I right, Sarah? Bye, Ben. Yes. Sarah Palooza continues here on Bickley and Murata Mornings. And we also continue talking Suns basketball. Two games left in the regular season. After a weird one last night over the Nuggets, we are joined now by our Suns insider, the one and only Kellen Olson, who joins us here on the Arizona Sports Line. Kellen, good morning. How are you? Good morning. I also love that song. See? It's universal. You find me somebody who doesn't like September by Earth, Wind, and Fire, and I'll show you somebody you don't want to spend time with. <laughs> you're darn right. That should be like your. If we start worrying about AI or aliens in 20 years, it's like, do you love this song? And if they say no, they're an alien or <laughs> artificial intelligence. Uh, I, I described it as a weird one last night. I don't think. I mean, there's other ways to describe it, but I think weird works. What were your takeaways from what we saw last night, Kellen? Yeah, it kind of speaks to how. I don't want to use the word ridiculous, but just how strange the last couple of days of the regular season can be for the majority of teams. I think we've seen the other side of the coin far too much in terms of not tanking necessarily, but just how weird the games can get when you sit a couple of guys and we might see the opposite of that kind of experience happen for the Suns tonight, right? But Vegas right now has the Lakers as nine and a half point favorites. Now Monty Williams wouldn't say last night who's going to play, who's not going to, that they were going to going to go through their process, but Vegas at least certainly thinks right now that the Suns are going to sit some guys tonight. And then last night, uh, they clearly dealt with the challenge of 
playing against a shorthanded team that they should clearly beat while having nothing to play for with seeding. Uh, when you lock in your playoff positioning and those regular season games don't really matter besides the benefit of getting flow, getting rhythm, getting continuity built, I think that ladder just wasn't – I think the guys were interested in building it, but they just didn't have the right mojo going into mm-hmm. the game or getting on the court. I don't know what it was, but that was an opportunity for them and maybe their last of this regular season to get one more crack with Kevin Durant to – Sort of did what we uh, to do what we saw against uh, San Antonio and Denver earlier uh, in the first half uh, earlier in the week, and uh, they did not take it last night. It took until uh, crunch time for them to beat that team. Yeah, Ko, I I joked earlier. It's like almost like the zombie Nuggets touched the Sun starters and turned them into the zombie Suns last night. I mean, the idea of playing your starters was to get extra minutes and try to continue the continuity and the growth with a relatively new starting lineup and taking advantage of these last few games. And that was more important than potentially, you know, risking injuries in games that don't matter in the standings. But watching that game last night, I'm not sure the Suns got any benefit in terms of growth from that starting lineup with the way that game played out, uh, except for maybe Chris Paul becoming a more productive spot-up shooter, knocking down the seven threes. I mean, can you take anything from a growth standpoint in what we saw last night? I think the only thing they really got was the crunch time offense and the clutch time stuff. I think that spamming the same play that they did in Oklahoma City in this game and just having that to turn to, they did it once again. I think that was that was valuable for them, but that's the only thing I really take away from that game. I'm, I'm with you. I I wrote last night on the site on ArizonaSports.com that I don't see any reason why anyone should play now. Right. Now that uh, the coach, see the coaching staff, of course, like they thought this, like this kind of sentiment, right? We're like, okay, you guys will go out there. You guys still have a reason to play because you've only played seven games with Kevin. Mm-hmm. So you guys should try and build some more flow with him. This will be a great opportunity to do that. We've seen in Denver and San Antonio how the San Antonio game specifically, I believe, was the 42-point season high in the first quarter, like trying to figure some things out, get get an extra base, right? But with the way the players sort of re- responded to it and just weren't able to find energy last night, I don't see any reason they should play tonight or on Sunday. Honestly. Like I don't see what the point is. So from there, and, and you can look at like even positives and say, like, hey, maybe you can figure out something about this bench in the last two games. Like I wouldn't even go there. I just think it's more about clearly last night, I don't, I don't want to say it was the primary thought of the players out there, but I'm certain that, not certain, but I feel like there had to be some sort of like, don't get hurt energy out there, right? Like we're just yes, out here absolutely. To, to get, to get some run out here. Let's make sure we don't get hurt right before the playoffs. And let's just get out of here healthy. That's kind of what the energy felt like to me. And Vinny, you were on the floor, so you were closer to me, but the amount of energy, not only like in the crowd, but on the floor, like that, it was pretty much non-existent. It was, it was kind of crazy to, to think. Yeah, and I, I did get a kick out of it too because I felt like, and you described it perfectly. The let's not get hurt energy, especially on defense. I mean, Denver was feasting in the paint, and then when the game was on the line, it kicked up a notch, and they did what they had to do uh, defensively. And I know you, uh, you you wrote about this on Arizona Sports, and you know it came up the last time the Suns and Lakers played that Kevin Durant and LeBron James haven't faced each other on a basketball court since Christmas Day of 2018. I agree with you. 
I don't think Durant should be out there tonight. I don't think any of the Suns starters should be out there. But the Lakers do have something to play for. LeBron is questionable. Do you think LeBron and AD actually give it a go tonight? I think that LeBron and AD will just because of how much teams want to avoid the play-in. Like, I think the right way to think about avoiding the play-in is like your season not being on the line. Uh-huh. And you're going to be able to have a couple of extra days, especially the Lakers, man. Like, they're, they're a team that would love those four or five days, six days without any games, right? Like, they, they would really benefit from that rest specifically more than anyone. So I, I do think that they play. But, yeah, it is it is just a bummer. I wrote about that on the site that we haven't seen those two guys face off in five years because when it comes to – this generation of basketball in the last like 10 to 15 years, I really do think that those are the two best players to come out of it. And they've had some really great showdowns over the years, three in the NBA finals specifically, perhaps we see a fourth one at some point in the West this season. But I don't think we're going to see it tonight, unfortunately. And, and that's a bummer. And it kind of makes you wonder if the Suns should have rested their starters last night and played their starters tonight mm-hmm. because the Denver didn't have anything to play for last night either. They sat all five of their starters, but the Lakers have everything to play for tonight, but the Suns made their decisions where they did, and and we'll see what tonight's game brings and if the Suns can get anything out of it. Yeah, KO, I I, I agree. I I think after the coaching staff probably got to look at the way the Suns starters approached that game last night, and again, if, if, if all you're thinking about in a game is don't get hurt, First of all, that's how you end up getting hurt. It's it's time to shut it down. If the next time we see the Suns play meaningful basketball is game one of the Western Conference playoffs. Kellen, where are you at with what you're seeing right now about what Monty is doing with Cameron Payne? Where do you think mm-hmm. this is heading come playoff time in terms of his spot in the rotation? And does he have one? <laughs> I got to be honest, I don't really think it matters that much at all. Uh, I think it mattered a whole lot more a year or two ago. But what they're going to be doing with Devin Booker playing 40-plus minutes, with Kevin Durant playing 40-plus minutes, is Devin Booker is going to play the whole first and third quarter. And then when he goes for his rest, Kevin Durant is going to be in there. And what they've been doing the last couple of games is having Chris Paul out there with him, too. And that mitigates the need for someone like Cameron Payne. It's the reason, I think, why... We've seen Landry Shamit get out there. It was in the second half last night, and then it was in the full game against San Antonio, where you just kind of let Book run the offense because it, that is what you can do with these three types of ball handlers and having three of them on your team. This is a team that really, really needed ball handlers in a really dire way a year or two ago. But when you add someone of Durant's stature, you just don't really need it as much anymore. And that's where you just go and take that part out of the equation from what Cam brings and just wonder, not wonder, but look at the positives he brings and compare them to everyone else on the floor. I still think that he has a role in a a rotation spot on the team, but there might be some nights, guys, where he plays five or six minutes, and that's that's not because of him. It's just because of the other guys. Like I really don't think that that role and the depth specifically is really anything to worry or focus too much about with this team because the bottom line is it comes down to those four guys and how many minutes – they are going to be playing is just going to dictate that. If you look through KD's history as a player, I asked him last night, like, how, how did it feel? Did you like the fact that you were able to get a total in the 40s here before the regular season? And then he, he said, like, I like that number 40. Like, that's where he wants it to be. And if you look at his playoff numbers over his career, like, he's playing 42, 45, 47, 43. Like, he rarely sits in playoff games. And Booker is the same kind of way. Chris is going to wind up around 36 to 40 as well. So I, I just don't think that there's really – 
the need for a role there for campaign, and I think that there's room to experiment with it like Monty has been doing. Yep, Kellen has been uh, kind enough to uh, stick around for another segment with us as we continue to talk Suns basketball and the NBA right on the doorstep of the playoffs. We'll do that next with Kellen Olson here on Arizona Sports, the local sports leader. Suns Day presented by Michelob Ultra. Bitly and Murata Mornings. Arizona Sports. The local sports leader. Bickley and Murata Mornings on this Friday. Tim Ring in for Bick as we continue our Suns and NBA discussion with uh, Kellen Olsen. Suns and Sarah Palooza. And Sarah Palooza. And Juvenile. Yes. Juvenile is a perfect way to describe this show. I'll tell you that much right now. Uh, Kellen Olson joins us uh, for a second segment here on the Arizona Sports Line. Uh, the Chris Paul experience has, has been, I think, very interesting to watch, Kellen. Uh, seeing him make the adjustments to being off the ball, he's talked about it freely. And, you know, the game against Oklahoma City on Sunday, he came on the TV interview afterwards and said he was mad at himself for passing up threes. He's not passing up those threes anymore, and he knocks down seven last night while he has two assists. I am so fascinated by watching what Chris Paul is becoming, especially at this point of his career, at this point in the season. What are your thoughts on that? Yeah, I think it's interesting because you could certainly make the case that this is more or less what he planned for. And what I mean by that is we saw the way and the level that he was playing at over the first couple of months of the season. And it certainly felt like he was playing at a dictated pace, borderline managing or saving himself for later in the season. And I think we've started to see the gears spinning. Certainly the best he's played this season has been in the last four to six weeks. And then the threes have really been a big part of his game here in the last week. I just think that it is even more crucial for him with Kevin Durant in the fold for him to be taking those threes because Devin Booker does draw double teams. We've talked about that a lot in the past, but he does not draw double teams the way that Kevin Durant does. They've changed a lot of their offense and slowed it down to include uh, to include isolations in the mid-post for Kevin Durant. The reason why they do that is because if a double doesn't come, Kevin Durant's probably going to score. And if a double does come, it triggers their ball rotations. And when it does, Chris Paul's normally the guy that gets the ball when he's open and is the guy that has to shoot. And he has been shooting a lot more lately. And it's been going in because as we've talked about all year, even going back to last year, he shoots above 40% over his career on catch-and-shoot threes. He's been a good catch-and-shoot three-point shooter, but he's only taken about uh, not even a full one a game uh, looking over the course of his career. But he's taking over two a game since Kevin Durant got here. He's taking like one and a half a game for the season right now. And he needs to keep taking them because the opportunities are going to come in the postseason for sure. Uh, Kellen, when this offense is functioning at a high level in ways that you just described, where does DeAndre Ayton fit in? Where will his points come from? Where does he need to score? Where will the opportunities be for D.A. when the offense is, again, functioning the way it should be, the way Monty wants it to? They will come where they always have, which is for him – rolling to the rim when defenses don't commit to him. We saw last night how the Suns ran the same play on three straight possessions. It worked for them in OKC. It worked for them again last night. On the second trip down, Kevin Durant gets an open corner three because of the uh, weak side defender coming over to help on DeAndre Ayton's roll. Next time down, that defender stays on Kevin Durant, and then DeAndre Ayton is wide open under the basket, and he gets free throws. I think that that's kind of the example of when he is going to get his point. And 
it's borderline ironic how his role changes now because before mm-hmm. Kevin Durant got here, I think that there was a clearly defined amount of the offense that could run around DeAndre Ayton and get him the ball. And, of course, that was not the case. His role and just his involvement still rapidly fluctuated. That is what is going to happen now. Like, that is almost a certain thing that is going to happen now. Some nights he is going to take six or seven shots. Some nights he might take 15 to 18. It's really going to depend on what the defense is choosing to give away. I'm sure that if the Suns go to the finals, at least one of those four matchups is going to include a team being like, yes, DeAndre Ayton score 30 points tonight. That's okay. Because Kevin Durant and Devin Booker are the other choices. <laughs> it's like you, right. you might just want to see if DeAndre Ayton can beat you as opposed to those two guys. No mm-hmm. offense to DA. He's a really good player, but I mean, Book's a top 10 player in the league. Kevin Durant's arguably the best player in the world. So there's going to be a team that chooses to let him beat them. And it's going to be interesting to see if he is up for the task. I think that he has been more often than not, especially in that New Orleans series when Book went down. uh, He was up for it. Kellen, with the Suns at four, regardless of who the opposition is in the first round of the playoffs, whether it's the Clippers, Lakers, Pelicans, or Warriors, it's going to be a tough series. Um, and, and I've you know resolved myself to that fact. But I, I would love to pick your brain uh, and, and the way your basketball computer brain works. What do you think is the best matchup for the Suns in, in the first round, potentially, of those four teams? I think that it's the Clippers, and, and to be honest, Vince, I, I kind of disagree with you. I, I wrote on ArizonaSports.com earlier in the week ranking those four teams that are possible for them, the Pelicans, the Lakers, the Clippers, and the fourth one that I'm forgetting is the Golden State Warriors, of course, the defending champions. Of course, they're the one that I <laughs> forgot. Uh, I don't really think that there's a big difference between those four. I know a lot of people listening are going to be like, you should be much more afraid of the Warriors, or perhaps there's some people buying into the Lakers there. I don't really think there's this huge gap between okay. the four of them. I think that the the Clippers are the most preferable matchup, not even on the Paul George front, just because they've been such a static kind of chaotic team. They've had this really weird season where they've had a top 10 offense this year since the turn of the new year in 2023, but they're tied for 20th in offensive rating right now, which means, yes, their offense was horrible in 2022. In those first 38 games, I believe they were 28th is the stat that I had in offensive rating. They were terrible, and their defense has kind of been – more in the same line. So as a team, figuring out who their five best guys are, you've got the Russell Westbrook problem, not only on offense for them, but on defense. I know that he has been good for them, but for them to consistently rely on him with how, again, static, chaotic, it kind of fits him and him being on that team, especially defensively, they could find ways to attack him if he's going to remain a starter in that kind of situation. So I think that it is ultimately the Clippers, and that's a team that they have the odds of playing right now, but honestly, if it's the Warriors, the Pelicans, the Lakers, I'm not too worried about it. I'm not too worried about it. I think that it'll be a tough series, like you said, but I'm confidently picking the Suns against any four of those teams. Gotcha. Kellen, as you widen out, take a look at the Western Conference. I want to ask you about the top seed, Denver. I, you know, it would appear that they are kind of skidding into the end of the season, a little bit in disarray, perhaps taking on water. Is that a fair assessment or... Are they just not playing their guys enough and they pretty much know what they've got and they're going to flip the switch and get it back going again with Jokic and Murray come playoff time? Or is this a a very vulnerable number one seed right away when the playoffs begin? Like they could go down right away in the conference quarterfinals. I think that it's a mix of all three of those things, and I think that it almost always is the case with anything like that. 
I think that they've got the chance to win the West just like six or seven other teams do, to be honest. But I also think that depending on the matchup, they've got a chance of getting bounced in the first round. I just think that whenever you're a contending team in any situation, you need to have a really good defensive backbone, and I just don't know if they have it. Like, Aaron Gordon is a good defender. Contavious Caldwell-Pope is a good defender. Michael Ford Jr. is not a good one. Jamal Murray has, has proven not to be a good one, and especially in the playoff setting, I think would get exposed a bit. And I, I think that they survive with Jokic in their defense, but at the same time in the playoffs, it becomes a lot more magnified. And if they run into the right kind of matchup where they're facing a team on offense that can really do some damage against them, of course, like the Lakers come to mind, right, because of the Anthony Davis and LeBron James issues that they would be dealing with there. I think Dallas comes to mind as well in terms of the shootout that those two teams could have. I think that there are some issues that they could run into in terms of a matchup where it could cause problems for them. But at the same time, you look at them offensively and what Jokic does, there's a lot there. And it's not like they're bad defensively by any means. I'm just saying that the championship-level defense might not be there. I have concerns about them losing in the first round. Like, Have we ever gone into a playoffs before where we thought, like, yeah, the one and two seed could lose in the first round? Like, that's actually a possibility. Right. That could happen <laughs> this year. And, and it speaks to how absolutely insane the Western Conference has been this year. And, and I think that's going to keep up in the playoffs. I think it's going to get more crazy. Hey, K- Kellen, and the three seed. I, I could see the Warriors taking out the Kings. I mean, you could have the top three seeds go down in the West. Crazy. We all love yeah, a Cinderella story, I, right? <laughs> yeah. Yeah, the Kings are vulnerable as well with their defensive issues. Yeah, I, I like there could be a scenario where the Suns hold home court, like if they're at the, as the four seed. I, the, crazier things that have not happened, but they could this year. It'd be like the Cardinals hosting the NFC Championship game in '09. Nobody expected that to happen. Did anything happen in, in our two segments yet with the Cardinals? Or are they okay? Has uh, anything gone on since? Well, we still have an hour plus left in the show, so we'll they're okay for now. But we'll see. One day <laughs> since incident. No. Oh my gosh! Okay, Kellen. Great stuff, as always. Uh, we appreciate it. Thanks, brother. Kellen Olsen. You read his stuff, too, on uh, ArizonaSports.com. New article just published this morning about Kevin Durant and LeBron James starting the next chapter of their rivalry, which has been on hold for quite some time and probably will remain on hold tonight. Coming up next, Sarah Cazell will take us through some social studies. Typically, a Murata mornings on this Friday with Tim Ring in for Bick. Live from the Ak-Chin Community Studios here on Arizona Sports, the local sports leader.